0: a room upgrade don't wait to make smart financial decisions compare and find smarter credit cards savings accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com reminder credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply NerdWallet, finance smarter what if ai could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed with ibm consulting your business can design build and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create.
1: When people say that... Um dreams do come true and things like that or life is a dream and all of that is something that speaks to me much more everything that happens is some sort of a manifestation of a lot of the subconscious ways that that work through your character like character is destiny and all of that you know so it's just kind of cool sometimes to sit around and start to connect the dots of how things happen and manifest themselves and why you're here right now
0: That was Alma Halel. I'm Sam Fragoso, and this is Talk Easy. Welcome to the show. Hi everyone, welcome to the show. This is Talk Easy. I'm San Goso, and uh, for the past 45 minutes, okay, fine, for the past hour, I was going to try to lowball it, but for the past hour, I have been uh, trying my best to pronounce uh, Alma's last name correctly. This is really um, a huge fear I have. This is really where also the whiteness comes out. I'm bad at pronouncing people's last names i'm bad at pronouncing people's first names it is something i really ought to get better at and um it's it's one of my big fears is to to butcher someone's name mainly because uh growing up fragoso was a last name that people had so much trouble with all the time i think it's because i went to a, a predominantly white irish catholic school but They can never get Fragoso right. Always wrong. It was Fragasso. It was Fragoso. It was Fraguzi. It was was so many things that didn't even make sense. We're way off topic already. Um, Briefly, before we get into this, uh, Alma uh, is a wonderfully talented uh, writer-director. She's made three films. Uh, The first two are called Bombay Beach and Love True. They both kind of defy what you expect from um, both narrative and and documentary films. It's an amalgamation of the two in in, in many ways. Uh, And this third film that she has made, that has just come out in theaters this past weekend, is much in line with those other two movies. It's called Honey Boy. It is uh, about and written by uh, Shia LaBeouf. Is it Shia? See, it doesn't matter. I'm bad at all of it. Shia LaBeouf, let's say Shia LaBeouf. Um, It is a film that he has been writing for many years. It is a piece deeply close to him about uh, growing up as a child actor and then later in his 20s and 30s uh, coming to terms with his uh, success and, and, and issues and insecurities. And it's all on the line and in the text of this movie Honey Boy uh, which is now out in theaters. I highly recommend you you uh, go out and see it. And uh, why don't we just play a bit from the trailer? I see you. Contrary, real hard. Be a twelve year old pie fight. Ugh. It's not a pie fight. Think it through. What's your mother got a job for? Just in case. In case what? Don't in case you. you fail, in case it don't no. work out, yes, man. She's filling your head full of fear. I will pump you full of strength, cause we're on a team, and I know you got what it takes. You're a star, and I know it. That's why I'm here. I'm your cheerleader, honey boy. I don't need to talk about my dad. Good take, good take. You did it. You did it. Good job, everybody. My dad's not the reason I drink. He's the reason I work. I was Come. To- Come here. Come here. Try and light your I'm so tired. make it with you by my side? You have good instincts. I have good instincts? Yeah, you I have got have rodeo clown instinct. instincts, so well, I could never make it in Hollywood. You
1: could if you start when I did. How do you think it feels to have my son paying me? How do you
0: think that feels? You wouldn't be here if I didn't pay you. It is a uh, rather intense film, as you could probably tell by that trailer. Uh, I am particularly impressed not only by uh, Shia's script and his performance in which he plays a version of his father, But I'm impressed by Alma because uh, it takes so much to handle this story, such a personal story, with as much care and delicacy and thoughtfulness as she does. And uh, I think you'll find in the next hour that all those qualities that that you can see in her films from the beginning in Bombay Beach, in Love True, and now in Honey Boy, you'll see that in this conversation. And uh, I won't say any more. I really hope you enjoy this talk with the one and only Alma Harel. Alma. Yes. I've heard so many good things about you from so many people now. Oh, no. <laughs> all, all positive reviews. Okay. People I told that we were doing this. A lot of fans of yours.
1: Oh, thank you. That's so kind of you.
0: Um, how are you feeling right now um, in this moment?
1: I'm feeling a little awkward because I feel it's a really intimate setting. And I uh, don't know you at all, but I feel very close. <laughs> um, and that you have quite a setup to like create immediate intimacy. And I like it. And I'm um, curious about what you're going to ask me. (laughs) I love the medium of podcasts and radios so much. If I could really express myself fully through it, I would probably do it. I think it's so lovely and intimate and um, um, even sexy. And not to imply this is sexy between us, but just to say that hearing the voice of somebody in your ear so close, it's almost like, a Combination of like intimacy that you don't usually experience, right? Um, on sets very easily. Um, you get to it, you build up to it, but you don't like right away go into it and like feel so close to somebody as you do in a radio studio.
0: It's only until like hour 14 of the <laughs> set where everyone's like, Can we just go home? <laughs> that people start <laughs> unraveling. Yeah. You have to like feel their relationships that are falling apart. True. I kind of this is my working theory on directing and that I'm much uh, more new to this than you oh,
1: are. Oh, I'm pretty new. You'll be surprised. Aww. I mean, this is my first scripted film. Yes, so I've never I know, But this is your third
0: film. It, it you, is. You've yeah. made many music videos, True. ads, etc. I kind of think the director is the person that people come to with their life mm-hmm. as, as like the good things and the bad things. And you have to kind of navigate that with them while still being in charge and making sure the ship Still sailing, sailing. yeah. But you have to. I feel like you have to be emotionally accepting in a lot of ways
1: and available. Yeah, and yeah, and answer a lot of questions all day. So many questions. Yeah, often questions
0: not even about the work, but about yeah their life. I I don't know because I think making is so intimate and so painful and hard. If it's good, I think.
1: Yeah, it is true that um, a director has to. be there for a lot of people, I guess, on set every day, but by them coming to the set every day and dedicating themselves to bringing something (coughs) to life that only you could see, um, in a way, if that makes sense, you want to, you hope that that motivates you to really... um, be, be there for them because you're kind of taking them on a really sacrificial journey in many ways, especially on indie films, which are, um, and again, I don't know what the bigger films are like, um, and I know my impression of them, but I haven't experienced them. Um, but um, there's something about independent films which have like such low, small resources, and everybody has to just put so much of themselves and their time and their connections and their you know personal life aside and all of that in order to make the film. It's It was quite astounding to me when I made this film, how hard it was. I yeah. mean, it was really, I know that this film was specifically harder than maybe other films because of the nature of what we were doing. Um, but still, it was just compared with like, you know, music videos and commercials, which are very short, and then documentaries, which are very free, mm-hmm. um, to come into this and have sort of people coming together to really tell a story <clears throat> in such hard circumstances. Um, just the amount of work, and of course, you know, it's not like we're in a war zone, and I have perspective on on privilege as somebody that uh, doesn't didn't grow up here, but I. I still felt, like, every day this kind of weight of, um, wow, all these people are coming every day here to... They're signing up for it. Yeah, Yeah. signing up for something that isn't easy.
0: Although, I'm curious, because when you made your film, (coughs) uh, Love True, you you said, uh, films, they help me understand life and time. They take away my own sadness and put things in perspective. Yeah. What was the process of, of this film? I know in that time you were in a moment of transition, after a divorce.
1: Right. It was like kind of in the midst of it. Um, yeah. I Which must have been. Yeah. Hard. It was. It was hard. But again, it was also, you know, it also saved me. It also made it possible for me to um, go through that separation and to love again afterwards in a way that I feel like I haven't loved before. Um, Is that true? Yeah. I think it made me. It, it it helped me, in many ways, let go of things that were haunting me my whole life. You know, when I made love true, it was from, and it's it's really the, almost like I don't want you know, use the word mystical in like a, a generic way, but like almost like that kind of synchronicity aspect of of art, where you attract the people that, you know, are kind of dealing with the same wound, or you just kind of respond to things that really are meant um, for you to go through them, you know? Um, So, like, there were so many things on that movie that, looking back, have made it possible for me to live differently. Like, I was very bullied as a child, you know, at school for many, many years. uh, What for? Both physically and... Um, I think that it was a combination of a lot of things. I, I my father was an alcoholic, um, and our family life and social economical, I guess, status that I was in was was maybe looked at in a certain way by certain kids. Um, So from like, you know, the clothes you wear to like, why is your dad never coming? Or I heard your dad did that. Or, you know, knowing that my dad was an alcoholic or certain drama that was happening in our houses, our house. And just to, you know, um, how you look and like um, the fact that you talk back when people, you know, fuck with you. And like, Mm -hmm. um, so it was just like a lot of. Uh, a lot of things but I was just extremely bullied both physically and emotionally and I dreamt about the people that were uh, the two main kids one was a girl and one was a boy that were kind of I guess my biggest tormentors (laughs) uh, my whole life like I dreamt about them it's crazy how those people
0: stay and like linger with you
1: yeah, and like I dreamt about them every, I guess, few weeks or something, and they oh. were just always, always coming back to me in my dreams, playing different roles. Sometimes they were kind and loving, and sometimes they were torturous and hurtful. And then after I made Love True, I stopped dreaming about them, mm. and and I really think it was because I went through what Blake, one of the subjects in my film, goes through in in that film, which is like recreate the drama of of being bullied as a kid on a on a bus and using psychodrama which is like we had a therapist on set and had actors playing an actress playing her younger self in the same way we have Shia here playing with his younger self and honey boy we had that at love true and just being present through all of that and going through all of that and editing it and yeah it was uh it, it really liberated me from, from that in many ways. So I do believe in the power of, of cinema and art to kind of take away your sadness if you're willing to go through the pain.
0: Mm. It, your movies uh, are often playing with memory and, and past selves. and there's something in your life uh, that I was struck by just reading about it. Um, uh, you know, growing up, uh, in Tel Aviv, right? And, and uh, in
1: Tel Aviv, and then, then yeah. to, to it, in Rakhov. Yeah.
0: especially in relation to Honey Boy, um, and as someone who's had uh, many divorces in their family. Oh yeah. It's too many to count. I think it's like four.
1: four <laughs> the same parents, I mean. Uh, you, know. you you got to share couple too. It's it's not it's, not, it's a two way thing, man. Yeah, we're no, like I know we're doing it. Now. We're do in
0: it. Your parents got divorced four times. Before. My dad has been married three times. My okay. mother, f- three and a half times. Right, We'll call that. Right. We'll call wow. it that, we yeah. It
1: That's it. Yeah. really, like, yeah.
0: But something that happened um, is that your relationship with your father, he he was, like you said, alcoholic.
1: Mm-hmm. still is an alcoholic and drinks. Now, now I'm they kind of uh, very accepting of it, though. Yeah. And I uh, can laugh about it. <laughs> I, I'm not
0: there yet, personally. I'm yeah. I'm still waiting for that moment. But right. um, to to spend time with him, you guys would meet at the movies. Right. <laughs> A- yeah. And that image to me is so vivid. Mm-hmm. Do you remember w- what you were like at that time?
1: Um, I think that I remember just... Uh, yeah, I remember it very clearly. I, you know, it's funny because as a child, um, and, and I think anybody that like looks back at their memories, as, at their childhood memories, you don't really remember the size, you don't remember how old you were, how right. little you were. You just kind of remember it through your eyes, you know, almost like a grown up. Um, so yeah, my father, who I love very much, and um, is still you know, a huge part of my life and my influence for many of the things that I do and I probably wouldn't have made maybe Honey Boy or had the connection I have with Shia if I didn't really, actually was working out um, my relationship with my father. Um, but my father, who is very different from James in the film, but is was an alcoholic, had a very turbulent relationship with my mom and they... Had loved each other very much and always tried to get back together, but then always, you know, w- would get into fights or w- his alcoholism or his, you know, way of living as a result of being an alcoholic. Who knows what comes first, right? And as they would separate back and forth again, um, as they would separate again and again, he wouldn't be allowed in the house when they would separate. So they would just be like, oh, "I'm not." T- I, I, she didn't want to talk to him because she would think the minute she talks to him, she w- they would get back together. And she it, really
0: thought that would happen?
1: It did. I mean, they went back together right. probably over 50 times. So, Ugh, um
0: that's so many times. Yeah,
1: the last time was probably just like, you know, this decade. So, um, and they're in their <sighs> 70s. So I think like that. There's they, something
0: vaguely romantic about that. It's
1: very romantic. It's super romantic. That's why I'm a very romantic person. And I was also the kind of child, you know, I had a sister and I had a brother. They had a very different perception of this. Um, have a half sister from a different father, but a same uh, a brother from the same father, and I think I was the kind of child that always believed that this time it will work. Really? Yeah, I was a very romantic child.
0: Each, 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 so each go around, you each thought each
1: go around, I thought that this time it's gonna stick. Why not this time? And each time I thought, you know, um, yeah, I was very romantic, and I and I still am, um, and. Um, Why when do you he think would, you would He would live, leave, though, he never had a place. He never had anywhere to live, and he never rented a house. He was always just, like, crashing with friends, or somebody would let him live somewhere. or um, And he would come to visit us. He had no place we could go to. So we would always go to see a movie together. Or we would climb a tree. That was another thing we would do. We would climb a tree and sit on a tree until it was dark. Um, there was just... Two, two specific trees we really liked. It. We liked we would bring snacks and we would sit on the tree and talk, um, and then, uh, or we would go see a movie. And that was really, I think, my love for films kind of grew in those moments because that was our that was our place, and that was where, like our conversations about like. Who's real and who's fake and who's a fucking phony and who you can trust and what's worth talking about and what's funny. My dad was and still is extremely critical person who still sends me to this day like links to things and like with his little critique of them, you know. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and H- a, and a very actively like expects my brother and me to jump in with our own critique and like. Right. So he's he's that's that's what he does. He you know he sits at his house. um... He's one of the funniest, smartest people I know. He drinks and he watches films and reads books and then sends me his thoughts about them. (laughs) Um, So he's kind of like a low-key, you know, drunk film critic uh, that's always in my ear. (laughs) And, like, uh, I grew up with that and it made me really...
0: By the way, I I hate to tell you this, but that's most film critics anyway. (laughs) They're all just like... Uh, uh, yeah. I I was a teenager in that field and, and, uh, yeah... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Everything makes sense now. Uh, <laughs> have
0: you re- have you read the writing of the reviews? Um, it's done drunkenly.
1: It's a, it's a, that's very funny. I, I mean, I kind of have to say that I used to read a lot more of them. That's a like terrible idea. Like in a very thirsty way. When I f- my first film came out, Bombay Beach, I think I read every review. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But they were all positive.
1: Uh, maybe that's why I read all of yeah.
0: Like, this is an endorphin rush. This feels good. This 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 feels great.
1: Thank you. Give me more.
0: (laughs) Did you and your father ever talk about what was happening between him and your mother?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Was he open to that? Yeah, we're a very, very open family, especially my father. Like, I think that my father is extremely open. Like, every conversation can go anywhere you want. He has no. No secrets, and he loves um, intimacy, and loves to analyze things, and he's very funny and self-aware. But he's just, you know, his shortcomings do not come from lack of awareness,
0: which is painful.
1: Yeah, it's very painful and very frustrating when you believe in the process of therapy or the process of healing, and you understand that, you know. um, That in his case, that is not what has, um, you know, brought change. I guess it, it it brought change in some ways, and but in others, it really, um, you know, hasn't been able to change the course of his life into a more productive or healthy, um, you know, existence. But in many other ways, it made me also realize that those expectations on every person to be a functional. You know, productive human being and part of society in a certain way that benefits the, you know, the conglomerate. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um,
0: great, great use of the word conglomerate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is not necessarily um, you know right for everybody, and some people are really extremely sensitive, um, or you know, just not interested in, in functioning in that kind of way. Yeah, and uh, find actually the this whole you know uh rat race um to be ridiculous and they think that you know being uh, drunk somewhere and and participating in the act of uh, enjoying everybody else's work is actually m- much smarter
0: <laughs> i've i've considered doing the same
1: <laughs> well you can join my dad i think no <laughs> no no <I, laughs> He like loves uh he's um
0: I'd definitely like to. Um, I just
1: I can't. Th- definitely I, needs friends. <laughs> oh, does he?
0: Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that after, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's the sweetest man. I can't wait to see him and show him this film, which he hasn't seen yet. But in December, I'm, I'm going to show it to him.
0: That's a nerve-wracking process.
1: Oh, I can't wait. There's, there's um, just, yeah, there's, there's nothing more wonderful now. That I'm away from home for so long. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to leave for so long in order to really kind of Yeah. Wanna be back w- and, and take in everything. That's it's always. like all the hard shit and everything and you're just drinking it in and you're like, Yes, yes, give me more of this. Like yeah. this familiar
0: you leave to come thing back.
1: that has made me who I am and as opposed to all the other <laughs> shit that I'm like, you know, doing all the time that makes me wonder about right. who I am.
0: Well though sometimes you go back and you're like, Oh god. Yeah. So many. This is this is why yeah. you're faced is with your I'm own here. inadequacies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Of course, yeah. It's you, a back and forth. You described something uh, uh, I was going to bring up actually uh, inadvertently, which is about your dad. Someone who wants to exist in the rat race and someone who wants to comment from the peanut gallery of it or whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. Where's
1: the peanut gallery? So like it's, I'm sorry, it's, I like it. So there's a lot of American expressions that I don't yeah. know, and I'm always It's, like it's so a really stupid impre-
0: It's really a stupid. <laughs> oh no, expression. but I love it. I'm not. Saying yeah, it's the peanut gallery. It? It's like <laughs> basically film criticism is from the peanut gallery. It's like because it's... because you eat peanuts or you throw no, peanuts? No, no, no. Yeah, you throw peanuts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, no, I don't think you eat the peanuts. You're I think you're throwing the peanuts. The peanuts. Okay, yeah, got
1: it. So it's like the old like theater kind yeah. of thing. I think
0: yeah, and you're you're just throwing them at the people doing the thing, right? And you're commenting the from gallery. them. This okay. may be wrong, and I don't want to generate fake no, news or something. No, it's all good.
1: People are too way too obsessed with like uh, getting it right. I think it's. Let's just assume okay. it's about throwing no, peanuts no, no, no. from I've, some gallery. I I've love spent, it.
0: <laughs> I've spent 25 years of being wrong often, so it's fine. Um, but but for you, it's so fascinating because I have here written down that you were someone um, who would go out into the desert. And 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 read Naomi Klein and do right. psychedelic drugs.
1: Oh fuck yeah!
0: And then also on on the <laughs> still other still do
1: when I can. Well, when I'm I get not a saying chance.
0: you're not doing that. I'm saying you have well, not enough.
1: Know. Not enough. No, I know. <laughs> These days,
0: it's got to be like quarterly. Yeah, I know. Um, but there's also the other side, which is you are running this, this yeah I know. this organization.
1: 100.
0: When I read those two things on paper, and actually when I've talked to folks we know together, they have this. Split uh, understanding of you in a lot of ways. It seems almost contradictory.
1: It is contradictory, very much so.
0: Is that fair to characterize like that? One hundred percent. So what? What is that? How do you you reconcile that?
1: Reconcile that. I mean, I'm still in the process of it, and like you know, I don't have clear (coughs) answers to. um, We're not here for clear answers. Okay, good. Have you met women? Yeah, I think pretty much. Really, believing s- the truths um of you know knowing uh, knowing the the you know the how do you the traps of of the idea that reality is what we allow other people tell us mm. what it is right, and um knowing I think and exploring both in my work and personally. Um, A connection to um, much greater things, you know, um, that come with, you know, nature and spirituality and not in the religious sense, uh, of course, but like um, just the ideas of of, um, everything that exists outside of the matrix, so-called. But like uh, at the same time.
0: I like how you're you're cautious to even try to explain this.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's the most important thing in the world to me. So it's, it it's is. like, and I'm still studying it. I guess you could say. So I kind of don't like commenting on it in words because words are so limited, um, and and are, and my understanding of those things is so much deeper and beyond words. And I have not yet necessarily found the words to describe what what it means to me well, but also the at helps. the same time oh, okay, just like to to say that i also exist in reality function in reality work in reality see the need in reality to work with other people who live in corporate realities and understanding that corporations themselves even though they take the form of um Huge entities that affect our lives and our planet and our politics, they also have individuals inside of them that are capable of making great decisions. Um, and that inspiring those specific individuals is a bit of a Trojan horse sometimes mm-hmm. that I that I very much ride.
0: You seem to have done a pretty good job of it.
1: I try, yeah, I try. I mean, I'm sure that um, time will tell as, you know, cause like the, there's so much stuff that over, I just saw yesterday, like all these like videos of like the acceptance speech of Obama, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, cause uh, yesterday was like eight years to when Obama was elected. And it's just like, I remember where I was that day, you know, I was working for Obama and I was like, I left everything I was doing. And for three months I was making videos for his campaign. And I was like on the ground in Nevada, like, you know, g- driving, so it's one of the most beautiful freaking days of my life like I was driving people who have never voted um, to vote for the first time mm-hmm. and some of them didn't know how to read and write um, so just like seeing that day remembering that day and then like seeing where we are now and you know, questioning a lot of things about process and about politics and all of those things. That's something that I constantly do, too, with my own work, you know, because, like, you you do certain actions and you kind of, like, want to assume that the implications of what you do would lead to a different, sometimes, future. And But what I'm seeing so far is that with everything we're doing with Free the Bid and Free the Work, which I assume you're speaking about when you say my, <laughs> my organization is my nonprofit, too, help discover more talent that is underrepresented in film and television and advertising, that I see people getting more work and I see people telling more stories and I see people sustaining themselves better, being capable of remaining filmmakers thanks to the work we do. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that the, the consciousness of our society is made of the stories that we tell each other. So I believe that by doing that I am contributing to the consciousness of our society. This is
0: the one time in this conversation where I can tell you have said that before. No,
1: I've never said that that's necessarily, no, but that work. P-
0: if you've not said that no, before I'm that's No, I'm sure I've said versions of, of it. That is pretty good. I am sure I've said,
1: sure said versions of it, but it's not like kind of a that I mean, was I'm close sorry if it sounds pitch. canned. I do I do tend to sound more canned yes, when I, I speak about corporate yeah. uh, issues no, and like my non-profit and it does uh, no, I I value I value your uh, sensibility and saying like that. It sounds like I said it before, but I um, but I don't know that I said it exactly like that because I am trying to right now connect it with what you said before, mm. which is like my real faith in consciousness and the subconscious, and um, thinking why is it that I'm so passionate about allowing more people to tell their stories is that I believe that it would change the consciousness and the fabric of consciousness of our society if we allow more stories to come in.
0: I I think maybe something we haven't hit on that is true in in your films uh, and true in this conversation is that you seem to have a kind of infinite capacity for empathy and and other people and having uh, so much faith in other people. I was wondering, I mean, when you think about that, or maybe you don't think about it.
1: I do think about it a lot.
0: Where did, where does that come from? Is that from your parents? Is that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's from loving my parents.
0: Well, it's from loving them. Mm
1: -hmm. And seeing them not change. What does that mean? Um, It means that um, our society and our culture uh, want to celebrate um, accomplishments. They want to celebrate people changing, people having a triumph over their difficulties. And they are willing to give them a lot of love and shower them with acceptance if they have proven um, to be worthy of their empathy because they are walking towards um, Growth. growth. The hardest thing is to love and have empathy those who cannot contribute necessarily to your ideas of growth. Uh. And, um, you know, we're seeing Shia right now, a person who's been judged and um, um, rightfully so for things that he has done and both, um, you know, his, his outbursts, his behaviors, and been kind of like dismissed. Um, he's now having a moment where people can see uh, and have a better understanding of his story and why he has mm. behaved in a certain way and he has created a piece of art I call it art because I think his script is his art um, that uh, came out of that pain and your movie. and now and, and your movie and my movie and now he has he has he's having a moment of acceptance and if down the line he would, Prove to continue to change and to grow then he would stay a receiver of the love that he's receiving right now if he will have something will happen in the future uh, which would prove him not to or to regress then he would be um, outcasted again and that's what we do all the time right we do it with uh, socially with all sorts of people that are at the edges of society that are people that are not contributing to the uh, economical state of the country, or people that are addicted or people that have a mental illness, or all sorts of people that can't participate in the cycles of growth and um, achievement. So, if you can have empathy for those people too, and love for those people too, I think that um, you will discover an endless source <laughs> that that lies inside of you. I feel like you're
0: talking about how conditional
1: yeah.
0: our relationships are.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is, uh, it's a fine to line. We
1: everything to ourselves. Too. Yeah. No, I know. It's yeah. just I'm
0: th- I'm just thinking aloud. It's like you, there's that line with any friend, and it's in, Honey Boy, and it's in. Yeah, I mean, it's in Bombay Beach where you feel like you're in some position to help to be some not parental figure but a but a, a guiding mm-hmm. helpful figure mm-hmm. And yet that doesn't
1: just necessarily because, always help yeah yeah because and also that's another I mean thing that obviously I'm still in the journey of figuring out because you are I have been conditioned myself to be a caretaker. And mm. to be somebody that always wants to take care of others and help them in some way or another. Because I'm a child of an alcoholic, and like one of the things that I had to learn as an adult child of an alcoholic, as they say in the rooms, the anonymous rooms, uh, that you know you do feel that like. Your sense of self is so dependent sometimes on, on this approval of others or the need for love that you want to receive from them and, and uh, wanting to belong somewhere and all of those things. You become extremely resilient and um, extremely self-sufficient. Um, and and strong in many ways, but you actually have, like, the softest spot to every person that is dysfunctional (laughs) and needs your help. And, like, you really kind of always just kind of almost put them and their drama and their problems before yours. Um, And that's, that's an endless cycle, you know, that takes, like, a lifetime to kind of break out of. And many times you... Have the hope that you can help or that you can change somebody, and you have to really explain to yourself the logic of that and understand that you can't change people. That only people are the only like only another. You can only help you know yourself in a way like a person really for them to change the help have to help themselves, right? Um, and then there's the balancing act of that, which finding how much it is that you are just like sacrificing on your own life on a, on and you're a martyr just because you're taking that role and and you don't really know any other roles. And uh, how can you help people but without being kind of, you know, a, an enabler, I guess, of behavior that mm. is unhealthy and hurtful to others. So it's just so many, there's so many questions that come from those dynamics and um, I'm definitely not somebody who's figured them out. I'm just trying to be there for people I love and actually try to sort of also love other people that are not um, in need, always, of my help. Because one of the things that happen is, to childs that that grow up with trauma is that your wires get crossed with a very young age, and like your uh, uh, understanding of love and pity Uh. are very confusing. Like, you know, and like the separation between love and pity and pain, and all of those things kind of become one. In many ways, um, so it takes it takes a long time to kind of uh, untangle that. It,
0: this reminds me of a quote I, I I wrote down.
1: Of me again?
0: No, this one's not of you. Yes. I got someone so else. So excited! We, you're <laughs> off the hook here. <laughs> <laughs> is it, has this been okay? Are you, is it yeah, all right? Of course, all? Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, it's just it's always so um, trippy to hear things you said years ago. Yeah. Like it's no, we'll like go
0: back to that. Don't worry. <laughs> I, have, I have a few oh more. God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to terrorize you. <laughs> okay. Um, this is from a passage of an interview with a journalist. Her name is Sarah Smarsh. It was in The Guardian five, six years ago. Um, she wrote, uh, Most journalists, I'd wager, don't have direct experience with poverty, but are somewhat aware of their own privilege. And that translates to treating reporting of poverty preciously and yet at a distance. This pity tone, which we're about, you know, yeah, this pity tone, which is what we're talking about, mm. is just an indirect outlet for their own fears and biases. Mm. Do you think you're telling the untold story because you drove your own car into the ghetto to get some quotes and a few shots of shivering children for a ten-inch write-up on the cost of natural gas in a family who had their heat turned off? If you'd stuck around, maybe you have seen, maybe you'd have seen that the family built an electric blanket fort in the middle of the living room huddling over a game of monopoly and cracking up all night about how screwed they are
1: Mm.
0: this is um i think at the core of your work which is that you don't have a journalistic approach Mm -hmm. you do not feel detached emotionally Mm -hmm psychologically although your life is no
1: i feel i'm cut from the same cloth of these people even though my life obviously is more privileged to now so you could say there is some sense of uh, maybe developing guilt
0: about that that yeah, I but didn't but that's, have before. We're, we're, You're just starting that now, yeah. so it's, yeah. you'll feel more guilt later But I, but later I have more. a lot
1: of discussions about that with my boyfriend. His name is Byron Bowers, and he's in the, the film. He plays Lucas Hedges' as uh, roommate, and he and me kind of share a lot in terms of uh, very different backgrounds. Obviously, he's a black man from Atlanta, a Jew from Israel, <laughs> but um, just kind of... You know this idea of he, he is very much kind of like against this idea of you know showing um, I think um, pity I guess is is and 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 just like people not really uh, like I guess white guilt, you know, as he calls it, like just that this idea of white guilt and like a lot of things that come from that that are actually not genuine um, so. We kind of talk about that a lot, you know, and...
0: Um, I don't sense any pity.
1: No, I don't. I, I actually, honestly, like, when I came to Bombay Beach, I was struck by, actually, the the connection some of the people had um, had with each other and with the place and their ability to live outside of the grid, off the grid in a way, and in a way paying like a huge price, obviously, because of the lack of education and health care and the, the huge, you know, challenges and issues that come from living with such poverty. But at the same time, seeing like just the, the joy and the, um, love and the time that some people kind of have when they live off the grid and not like in the, you know, kind of rat race we talked about before. (laughs) So I kind of think like everything that I look at in general and not just like, you know, situations of living, but just like everything has good and bad in it, you know? And it's just like, and that's what Byron and me always talk about, which is like, how do you kind of stop that like non dualistic how do you s- start to look at things with like non-dualistic thinking um, because that dualism of all the time thinking like, okay, this is bad, this is good this this is this is winning, this is losing, this is rich, this is poor this is you know this is something mm. I want, this is something I don't want, this is something I you know value this is something I hate. like how do you just like see all of them and make them one in your mind and that's the spiritual quest I think.
0: hard to not do
1: that. It's, it's a part of your mind that does that, and then there's a part of you that actually naturally does not do that. Mm. And it's almost about knowing how to tap into that place.
0: You know, when you came here 12 years ago, mm-hmm. right?
1: 13, yeah.
0: 13 years ago. This is a different part of you, but I'm curious, like, what did you want for yourself when you came?
1: It's a good question. I mean, I came here to be with somebody I loved. Uh. Um, and I came here because, um, were, I wanted to give a time? chance to our relationship, but we got married here, mm-hmm. um, for me to have papers, uh, but really we were only like, we weren't dating for a long time before that. We, we met through a friend and he lived here in LA. His name, his name is Boaz Yakin. he's a director. And I came here, um, because we were in love, you know, and, and, um, I wanted to be a director. I wanted to be a filmmaker. He was already a a very, you know, kind of established and successful filmmaker, and and I didn't know yet how to start my own path here. Um, I was struggling with a lot more things that I do now in terms of um, addiction and like, you know, um, I guess I was, Past this like time in my life where I was struggling with a lot of like mental health issues and um, I guess sexual, you know, I do say assault I guess of sorts and um, all sorts of things like that and self harm and you know substance abuse so it was like really. My 20s were extremely kind of intense. I was, like, making video art and doing all sorts of jobs and editing and hosting a TV show. But, like, really what my life was about in those years is trying to kind of pick up the pieces and and really figure out how to be more functional and and live a life that is not harmful to myself. Um, So coming here was um, kind of an opportunity in a way to take a break from a lot of the patterns and a lot of the things that were part of my life where I was living that was also feeding those patterns. Mm. And 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 I wanted to you know I wanted to find a way to figure out how to have like I said, like new tools, I guess, to be to, to live life and to be creative and to find my voice and all of those things.
0: How did you pick up the pieces?
1: Um, First of all, by, I guess, stopping to participate some of the things that were perpetuating them and then like, you know, getting a lot of help, like from, um, again, from like uh, just getting kind of like sober but also just like having a lot of help from um, therapy that I did many, many years, all sorts of kind of therapies that I did. Started back in Israel, but also here, um, and just having um, a, a way to express myself has been a huge thing for me. Like finding my voice and having so much passion about telling stories, and doing it in a way that is defying genre expectations and like you know finding freedom within my expression. Um, was very helpful to kind of deal with a lot of topics through the the the, the creativity. Like I said mm. before, like making Bombay Beach has definitely taught me so much about um, about what I should be thankful for and what what is it that doesn't um, work, you know. And and the same thing with Love True and same thing with Honey Boy. Like each one of these things have been like kind of a journey, you know, in, in that direction.
0: Now that you're at the end of Honey Boy and the film is going to come out and play for a bunch of strangers all over. which
1: is so heartwarming. Yesterday we were at the Arclight and it was like the first kind of like almost like unofficial screening, but it was the first time they sold tickets Mm -hmm. to Honey Boy because until now it was just screening festivals and And it was at the at the Dome, you know, the Arclight and and it was sold out. That's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, oh I was God. sitting on the floor and crying <laughs> by the aisle, and Shia came and sat next to me, and we just like sat on the floor in the dark and watched like the last half hour of, of the film.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah, it was, um, it was, it's like unbelievable. I, I kind of almost can't, can't, yeah, I can't believe, uh, I can't, can't almost call these people strangers because I feel so thankful they came to see the film. <laughs> It's like I want to thank each one of them I almost like thought like yesterday in that dome There were probably more people than I ever saw
0: I, The
1: combination of my first two films Hey, hey,
0: hey, <laughs> we don't know I mean, I
1: kind of think so We don't know
0: the streaming numbers of those movies That's true, but
1: there is there is a possibility
0: it's, It may be possible <laughs> You never know Yeah, There's a lot of Bombay Beach fans That's, that's true fans.
1: I feel like they can fit into the dome though <laughs>
0: Like I, your words, not mine.
1: <laughs> but it, but it's cool. I mean, I'm like really into that. You know, I'm I love I love I love making things for people that need them, mm. and like kind of um, feel like it's really special when you do makes work that is small uh, in terms of the outreach of how, right. how not like the size of the art, know, but I just know. like you know uh, smaller films, and then like the people that do love them. They're, like, so uniquely um, meant to like them, and they come mm-hmm. and talk to you, and you're like, oh, we could have been friends, like, yes. you know, well if you make, I think, something like, uh, I don't know, um, Avengers, and there's, like, you know, 300 million people that think that it's the greatest shit mm-hmm. ever, and, like, you're like, oh, I have nothing in common with, like, <laughs> most of these people. But when you make something so intimate that only a few people see, like, you kind of... You kind of make friendships in a way. That's how I met Shia. Like you know, it's like his love for Bombay Beach is what made him reach out to me and send me an email. And it's a testimony to how much that film is like, you know, a, a targeted missile. Because like people that you that do get hit by it in the yeah. heart, there's such a reason for why you know it meant something to them.
0: I feel very much in this camp. <laughs> tell you. Um, we have a couple things before we have to leave.
1: Okay go. I'll try to be short and. No, precise. there's no short. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, like
0: that, that's not your thing. No. N- I mean, no offense. No, it's g- taken. It's good. It's, it's, good. Like it's non non much better. Taken. <laughs> but, but it's funny. I asked you uh, a question about how you were feeling in the aftermath of or rather like in the anticipation of this movie coming out and right. being on the other side of the edit and sound and color.
1: Yeah.
0: And you immediately... Did I avoid it? No, you didn't avoid it. You do what you do in your movies and what I think has been therapeutic for you, which is you talk about other people.
1: True. True.
0: So where are you at in this equation? Um,
1: hmm. I... Uh, yeah, I think I'm... I think I'm excited. I'm exhausted. Um, I'm thankful um weary all sorts of things
0: weary of what
1: um maybe the possibility of um needing to step a lot closer to myself in order to really tell the stories i want to tell not through other people's stories and like feeling like there's an option now to do that and a a real like i guess opportunity to do that because i'm getting so many people to i mean honestly everybody's like offering me other people's stories again from smaller stories to marvel stories but it's just kind of like hey would you want to step into this project Mm -hmm. and this project and that project and they're all really um it's all very seductive to to think that you have opportunity which is something that i didn't have before a lot of so in that regard it's like kind of like a moment to say no I'm gonna like say no to a lot of these things and like figure out what it is that I want to do and what stories do I want to tell and that calls for doing avoiding doing what you just said I did which is like you know (laughs) not jumping on another person's story
0: yeah they want you to walk into the building you want to create the building yeah I guess so
1: you could say that That's a good metaphor. That wasn't
0: very good. It was actually kind of clumsy. (laughs) It's an
1: architectural (laughs) way of looking at my inner life that I can live with. No,
0: no, I I should have been more artful than that. No. Can I have another take at it?
1: Go. Whatever. (sighs) Shit. No, I mean, I think like (laughs) (laughs) that. yeah, that, that like if to do, if to use your metaphor of, oh, of please building abandon buildings.
0: It. Abandoned abandoned.
1: No, I think that like.
0: Go your own oh,
1: way. Oh, let's go there. Let's <laughs> fucking go there, man. I think my building is abandoned. No. <laughs> so it's more like getting in that abandoned building and like right. looking around and saying, I guess we can do something with this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know. guess we need some furniture. Yeah.
1: I guess we need to fix
0: this. But your furniture. Right. And <laughs> how you want to do that. Yeah. It, I I get that it's scary.
1: Yeah, it's scary. It's exciting, though, because I love being scared. You know, I mean, I love being scared of things that are challenging creatively, I guess, or that are, you know, that feel like um, new. Mm. And um, th- again, not to go back to... Um, um, analyzing everything in in the prism of my childhood, but like you know, when my when I was little, my dad like way to, like we would go at night in the car and like he would just like drive s- extremely fast and drink and play loud music and we would just like drive together for hours sometimes, and um, it was really scary, but it was also super comforting mm-hmm. and um, kind of helped me go to sleep. So it was like I think it's still um that combination, you know, of um accepting um fear as definitely like a good part of uh I don't know, of uh of a sign that something um good can come out of it too, you know, and like I'm excited for what's to come. I just I'm also just really excited to see how many people are going to see this film, honestly, and it's not in terms of like, oh, how much money it would make, but it is like you kind of feel like a horse in a race when you put an indie film out <laughs> like in a in a in a in a kind of a funny way mm-hmm. but it's uh but it's kind of cool too like if you're like you know you're kind of betting on your horse in your own horse when you're like right. hanging out for four or five months talking I wasn't going to call
0: you a horse, but it's, if you want to describe it like I that. I mean,
1: it is a little bit like it's that right g- it's now. I mean, it's a total game. Because it's really like the reality of films right now is crazy because of these tentpole films and then like, you know, almost like there's a few independent films every year that people say, okay, they have a chance at the race. Let's yeah. get them out there. Right. And like they put you out there and, you know, trot you around and all these like, screenings and film festivals and events and hoping that you um, that it would catch you know mm-hmm. and like somebody's paying for all of that you know it's like um, it's not like it used to be where um, distribution platforms have, have changed very very much so we're we're definitely like kind of in a in a spot where we're like oh we're putting this story out there and let's see if people are gonna um, respond to it and I, I feel they will and again even if it only targets the people that need to hear it, like my first to film said I would still feel like we won, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah.
0: I, I have one question that we have to go. go. When you look back and and you reflect on your life and where you are now what do you make of the fact that you were this teenager? in Tel Aviv mm-hmm. going to the movies with your father mm-hmm. falling S- smaller yeah um, yeah preteens yeah preteen and now that you've landed here what do you make of all that um
1: what do I make of all that just you know like um the um, when they say when people say that um, dreams do come true and things like that or life is a dream and all of that is something that speaks to me much more. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Like was like dreams come true. I'm like well life itself is kind of like a dream because it's like almost like everything that happens is some sort of a manifestation of a lot of the subconscious ways that that work through your character, like character is destiny and all of that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of cool sometimes to sit around and start to connect the dots of how things happen and manifest themselves and why you're here right now. But it's cooler to get up and like do something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could try to spend less, I'm I'm less, and it's so funny, I'm less and less, um, I have many more memories to bask in, and I enjoy, I enjoy that, and I miss my language and I miss speaking my language and I miss my best friends and my family on a, on a daily basis mm. and at the same time I'm just really enjoying the I guess the way that um, life takes its
0: course mm. you know well I'm certainly glad for whatever reason that we came here and and, and did this yeah, me too and that you made your movie uh, your film is. Uh, the last film I ever wrote a review of. I'll never do another one
1: Are again. Are you serious? Yeah, it's true. Why? What happened?
0: No, I just don't, it's not.
1: You just don't want to no, do I, it I anymore. I, 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 yeah, what not. an honor to be your last It wasn't on purpose. <laughs> I'll still take it though. No,
0: take You're it. You're fucked. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> I just did. I just no, took it's that. good. <laughs> and we connected the dots I think. Yeah, so.
1: thank you man and good luck with all your films and your new path beyond uh, writing about other people's work, making your own work
0: I can say the exact same about you Thank you In your next chapter Thank you Thank you Alma Thank you To week to the people at Ginsburg, Libby, and Amazon. Honey Boy, almost third film, is now out in theaters around the country. If you'd like to learn more about her or the movie, you can visit our website at www.talkeasypod.com. This podcast, Talk Easy, is available to stream on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you're on the site or if you're on one of those platforms, you can check out our back catalog of episodes with many different directors, including Rob Reiner, Alan Alda, Kelly Reichardt, Chloe Zhao, uh, Janixa Bravo. There are so many wonderfully talented directors that have come on. And uh, if you like today's episode, I imagine you'll like some of those. As always, this show would not be possible without our incredible team, designed by Ian Chang, graphics by Ian Jones, illustrations by Krishna Shenoy. Our music is by Dylan Peck and Jin Sang. Our social media is by Nikki Spina. And the show is produced by Caroline Reebok. I'm Sam Frigoso. Thank you for listening to Talk Easy. I'll see you back here next Sunday with the one and only Errol Morris. Until then, have a good week, everyone. information.